Amen. Beautiful worship service. Um, if we could have our children's church, Miss Ashley and Kelsey have got an awesome time for you. Emily's not feeling well today. She's at home. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. We're going to talk about a healthy church. I want to be a healthy church, don't you? Yeah, and uh, this is, um, we are working on it. You know, it's like the whole song, God's still working on me. God's still working on our church. We are not the perfect church, but we're working at it, aren't we? (laughs) So Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16 You know what I found, too, early on in life, especially in ministry and stuff, is when you keep your eye on the Lord, you don't worry about what everyone else is doing. And I used to get so discombobulated with church and complaining about church and this and that. And you know who ended up paying the price? It was me. Took my joy. uh, I focused too much on what they were doing wrong and what they should improve. And I realized that as the body of Christ, God knits us together and we need everyone. And uh, so it's so important. But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, we took a little dip and had a great uh, time with Father's Day last week, but we're in the middle of the uh, series on this whole, the Holy Spirit and what He does, the fruit of the Spirit, but also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit developing that fullness in our life. And I want us to read a few verses here in Ephesians, 1 through, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and we're going to talk about unity in the body and what God did with gifts for us. Turn somewhere and say, you're a gifted person. I didn't get in that gifted class at Spring Creek or Eisenhower or Christian Life. I was not the valedictorian, uh, but I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm gifted, right? And no. <laughs> so, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life. Isn't that crazy? He said, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Do you know all of you are called today? For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to the glorious hope for the future. Boy, we could just sit on that chapter for weeks on end, couldn't we? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led the crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it said he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he may fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gives to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church and the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standards of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so cleverly they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own. I think that's really 
interesting how he says he makes the body fit together. Remember when we were talking about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit? We talked about how can the ear say the foot and the foot say to the, you know, they're all so important. Aren't you glad you have ears today? You know, you, you have eyes, you have all those beautiful things that God gave us. You know, it, it's something special. And we've got on this little thing here, the little cog wheels, if you will, of the body. And that's how each of us need to think today. You do have gifts today, whether you know it or not. In fact, if you haven't taken a gift, spiritual gifts class, I was looking these up this week, and I think that's what we're going to do this next week. Do you guys class? Do you want to do a little test this week? <laughs> so there's these cool online spiritual gifts tests. Honestly, if, we, if you haven't done one in a long, long time, and maybe you already know it, great. See, Peter Wagner has some great teaching on spiritual gifts. But if you haven't done a spiritual gifts test, let me, let me tell you really clear, it's not a personality test. This is... This is not a business test to kind of fit you into something. It is to understand what God has placed in you. Maybe you have a, a love for children. Maybe you want to teach. Maybe you, whatever it is, maybe you have a heart for the lost. You know, when you start to look at those kind of things and pray for people, you start, wait a minute, God gave me that gift and it's very special and it's unique to you. I wanted to open with kind of an idea of what the church should start to look like. Church can't be about four or five professional people in the church and everybody looks to those four or five professional people. Can I get an amen? That's garbage. It really is. It's very inadequate and we need you. I can't just be the professional. You know, the Old Testament, you had the prophet and everybody waited for the prophet to say something and then everybody kind of did their thing. But in the New Testament, we have this idea of the body of Christ that God introduces where each person kind of starts fitting in and kind of using things and, and they're, they're uh, I don't want to say burdened with it, but that's all they can think about. You know, like me as a shepherd, I don't know if you know this or not, I think about people all the time. I'm constantly just thinking about people and individuals and little faces pop in my head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you don't have to be a, a quote, shepherd with a pastor card in order to have a shepherding heart. How about the prophet? We need prophets in this world, don't we? Thank God for the prophets who proclaim and they're seers and they proclaim and they see what God is doing like the sons of Issachar. They know, they discern the times and they can speak to it. Thank God for people that speak out. Thank God for our teachers. Because if you have bad teaching, then you get torn up in these weird doctrinal things, don't you? Thank God that teachers can correct. It's a beautiful thing to see the evangelist, right? We always think of the evangelist. Well, we need an evangelist. We've we got to have a service and pay the evangelist to come in here and get this town saved. Well, you know how this town's going to get saved? You know how people are going to come to Christ? The evangelists and people who share the word of God to their neighbors. But here's what I, I, I love. This is a true story. John Piper is one of my favorite guys. By the way, if you want some good reading, read some John Piper. Anybody know who John Piper is? Anyways, if you haven't, read some John Piper. He, he talks of this. This was in a cell group. A visiting pastor in Auckland, New Zealand, was asked by the pastor of a church to come to a small group to help it understand its function. He came early for dinner and the husband was not there. The wife embarrassed and explained that the husband owned a construction company and worked late. The group arrived after dinner and the visiting pastor taught for a while on how to use spiritual gifts to build each other up. And then he asked them to get alone for a few minutes to seek God for how each might channel God's grace to the others for their upbuilding. Sounds like a good idea, right? When they came back together, he assumed they knew each other's needs because they had been together for several years. The husband come home, he showered, joined them in a few minutes, and when the opportunity was given to speak or pray for each other, there was an awkward silence. They had never done anything like this before. Seeking the Lord for how he might want them to minister to each other in that moment to build each other up? The visiting pastor felt a fiasco was on his hands and turned the meeting back to the pastor to close. The pastor asked if anyone had any special problems they would like prayer for. The hostess said, Yes, and showed the group the rash all over her arms. She said the doctors had prescribed medicine, but it hadn't helped. They invited her to put her chair in the middle for prayer. And as they prayed, Christ, the head of the church, did his ministry, the pastor said. 
And he declared this, I sense in my heart the Lord is telling me your problem is that is that as a result of great anger. She was silent for a moment and began to cry softly. Then she confessed, I'm so angry at my husband. He promises to be home for dinner, but night after night we eat without him. He's broken his promises to me over and over again, and I feel that I am a widow as I raise my children. There was an awareness that something had just been revealed that two years of small group meetings had not revealed, and the husband was blushing with embarrassment. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> to make the story shorter, several of the men began to speak about how they had wrestled with the same problems in their homes and had almost ruined their marriages. One in particular spoke of a deep meeting with God as such a crisis and how God made everything new. By the grace of God, the husband knelt down in front of his wife and wept in her lap. And as the group prayed, the visiting pastor commented later, the Lord had invaded his body and the gateway into the supernatural world had been crossed by us all. The following Sunday, the visiting pastor was to preach and saw the small group gathered in the parking lot outside the church. And when they found him inside, the woman pulled up her sleeves and said, look, no rash anywhere. The husband approached and said, I've cut my work days to eight hours. I took the kids to the zoo yesterday. We have a new home. Isn't that crazy? In other words, it's possible to turn a small group into just another impersonable time where we learn some more about the Bible, but do not minister to each other in an interpersonal way in the power of the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, it is possible to lay hold of the supernatural supply of the Holy Spirit by faith and minister to each other in ways that over generations might rebuild a healthy church body with less weakness and sickness and immaturity and fruitlessness that we see today. Think about that. That we just don't go for another lesson. Folks, we're up to our ears in Bible lessons. Can I, can I hear you there? We know the Bible. And I'm talking to my seasoned folks that, that know you know the Bible. You know what, we, we know the maps. We know what God's doing. But yet, do we know what God's doing? You know, I think to our men and, and Bible study and things, when Jim opens up the, 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 the door to say, hey, does anyone, well, let's pray. And we do pray, but there are times where there's that awkward silence. And I sit there and I'm mad. I'm mad. Do we not have something to say? Do we not have something to share? Do you hear in that story where God revealed, he said, something was revealed that in multiple years of cute small group meeting, it accomplished more in that moment than two years of our cute Bible study. Folks, you're gifted. You have a voice. I don't want professional prayers. In fact, Jesus actually said, don't pray like heathens. Do you know what heathens do? They babble. They just talk and they talk and they pray. The heathens know how to pray and they just pray and pray and pray. And the more we pray, and I feel like if we in the church have got so religious, we feel like the more we talk and the more we pray, the more acceptable God will be of me. Do you know what God loves is a faith-filled cry out to him? Do you know what I want to hear just, just once with people? God, just help me today. God, give me wisdom. God's not asking for paragraph sentences. He's asking for our heart to be open to him. He's asking for us to, to be open to his leading. Guys, women, don't get into your Bible studies and just wait for someone else to do something. You know, and it takes, in order for the gifts of the Spirit to start working, it does take a little bit of vulnerability, doesn't it? I mean, imagine this pastor. We see a few gifts working there. I don't know if you picked up on some of the gifts. Did you see some of the gifts being manifest in that little story? The pastor had a, a word of wisdom. We see that in the gifts of the Spirit, don't we? He had a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge there where he picked up on something. I would also mix in there where there was some discernment. Have you met people and individuals where they can kind of discern even what's going on in the places they're at? There's, there's a discernment saying something's not right here. Anybody been like that before? 
Spider-Man senses, you know? But that's a gift of discernment. You're discerning spirit. Something's not right here. Jesus declared to his disciples when they wanted them to tear the town down and smite it, kill the village, God. He said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. In other words, he says, it's possible to turn a small group that would just do their Bible study and memorize another verse that we already know about into a time of ministry and a time of wholeness. Oh, and don't we forget a time of healing. They were meeting in the parking lot and the lady comes in and her rashes are gone. I think it's beautiful when the church of God comes together and starts to pray and to minister to each other. He had these people kind of separate and go away with the Lord. And when he came back, there was this awkward silence like, okay, what's the professional going to do now? We have reduced Western faith to professional people. And it's never been that. Remember the 72? It was never meant to be professionals. And we have turned church into a glorified TED talk. It's tips so that we can get whole again. Turn us around and say, I want to be whole again. Point one is called church. God's called us. Calling is not for pastors and priests and special people. A calling. Ephesians 1 says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. In other words, it's possible to live a life not worthy of your calling, isn't it? You know, the Bible does declare that people will enter heaven by the skin of their teeth. But I don't want to be that one. I want my life to be a life that has character, and I'm making decisions and choice, developing a life of character. Mark Sayers writes, it shouldn't be a shock to find that we have convinced ourselves that to become holy is to lose our cultural currency, to sacrifice our ability to fit in. It's not cool to be set apart. It's not sexy to be holy. We believe that we must choose one or the other. Isn't that true where we're at now? And that's how come we create a, even a Christian faith that has become so loose. We don't even speak convictions and talk about sin because we want people just to kind of figure their own little faith out. And if it works for you and you're happy, if, if you're happy, then you're in a good place. And and that's not the call. And that's not where God places us. I bet you would agree with this as well. The toughest challenge is to be in the world and not of it, isn't it? You can't abandon everyone, though. You can't live like an Amish person, can you? You know, the Amish aren't accomplishing too much in this world. They're not reaching the world, the lost. They're not going after the broken, dying, crying humanity. They're, they're in their little club. And I think that the church is kind of in that little club. We, 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 don't, we look at dying, crying humanity and the mistakes and the decisions they're making, and all we do is we throw insults and insults at them. Oh, I can't believe what they're doing. I can't believe what's happening. I can't believe what's going on in this world. Anybody ever say those things before here? And I just, Jesus wasn't, Jesus didn't have that framework. Do you know that? Now, evangelical faith does have that because we feel like we need to be in power and in control. And so we're out of control, so that means the church is out of control. I want you to know that my life in America is not boiled down to Gallup polls. Do you know that? Thank God my life isn't about polls and decisions like, like political things. My life is walked in, in, in God's hands. And yet I see Jesus when he's going through earth. How many would agree Jesus was completely perfect? <laughs> so he's walking around earth. He's hanging out with, guys, can anyone tell me who Jesus is hanging out with? She did it on the head. The Bible declares about my Jesus and your Jesus that he was a friend of sinners. He was a friend, not an acquaintance. Not, well, I have to be around this person. He was their friend. Do you know where we lose our approach? Because the Bible says we got to be in the world but not of it. 
Folks, you can be in this world. I don't know, have you ever guys ever watched a duck in water? Isn't it neat how a duck works? A duck gets in the water and they truly do. They get in that water and they'll go under the water and then all that water just beads right off. It's just, just a beautiful thing. I was driving my new car this week. It was fantastic. I love my new car, by the way. It's great. New cars are good things. I was driving my new car and the rain was hitting the hood. And I told Hunter, I'm like, Hunter, look at that hood. All that water is just beating off. It's that wax, it's that beautiful finish of wax. The water can't stop me, no. But I look at the believer like this. You can go through the water, you can go through the fire, and the fire won't burn you. The water doesn't drown you. I think many Christians today walk around just plain scared. And you don't have to be. You don't have to be scared right now. And honestly, a fear is a real thing. And many of us are afraid. And just like throughout all of Scripture, fear not. It's a really important thing for us to understand. Jesus hanging around tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers of the day, to touch a leper. What happened with the Pharisees is what happens in the church. They allowed their pursuit of holiness to blind them to other people who weren't on their same mission. See, what we do is we get uh, something stuck in our crawl because those people aren't doing things how I'm doing things, right? So we judge them. They're not doing it how I'm doing it, and they're not leading by my example. They're, they're not following the way I think should be things should be, so I'm just cutting them out of the equation. I was looking at, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but my daughter, Ashley, she sent me a beautiful video about this guy. It was seen over like a million times on YouTube, but this guy rescued a little egg, a parakeet egg. I don't know if you've seen that one before. It's pretty amazing. But this guy was in a pet store, and he saw this little parakeet egg. The mom parakeet had been sold. The male was there, but there was this little egg, and he asked the owner of this place, can I have the egg? He takes this little parakeet home. Can you imagine him yelling at that egg for not growing up so fast? What get get moving, you know, like 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 how I can get. Uh, but he's sitting there and he puts the 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 egg has to be turned three times a day. Turns it once, turns it twice, turns it three times. It's in the incubation. It starts coming out of the eggshell. He starts caring for it. He figures out how he's got to feed this thing. So he's feeding this thing. And I'm telling you, this baby is like this big. It's precious little baby bird. And he starts growing it, doing all sorts of stuff, 21 days, all this stuff, time and commitment and the energy. Folks, I want to tell you, to make the body of Christ whole and beautiful, it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take focus. It's going to say, what this, what, this little thing, this doesn't matter. Why, why would I turn this egg? What, what, what does it matter? I'll, I'll, I'll just miss a day. I'll, no, get involved with the people, the delicate issues in people's life, and work through those things, wrestle through them. How's it going for you as far as your calling? I beg you to live your life worthy of your calling. It's hard work, isn't it? Living out this faith is not easy. And picking up that cross daily thing, it's a whole lot of work. I, I want to take that verse of scripture out that says pick up your cross and give me a bless me Bible verse. That's a lot better. Allow them to shape and mold you. By the way, this week, you know, that whole pick up your cross thing. Has anybody had the week like me before? This week, I just didn't want to be messed with. Does anybody feel like that? Okay, good, Q. I mean, you just, I... I, I just wanted to wake up in the morning and turn the TV on and just, I don't know how to describe it. It was weird. I told Anne this week, I, I have a bed, or I have a bed, yeah, I, I, I have a bed. No, <laughs> I have a book by my bed I always have because I want to read right before I go to bed, so I just fill my head with something good, right? You know, you fill your head with news. If you go to bed watching news, you're going to be in a sore state. Wake up with news, you're going to be in a sore state. You're just going to be a blah person. So I, I, I go to bed, and I'm reading, and uh, I don't want to read. Get up in the morning. I mean, I didn't pick up my Bible one time this week. 
Some of us are like, well, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so, but truly this week, it was just one of those weeks where I was just like, I don't know. Anybody been there? I just, I just don't want to, like, God, I, I know it's important. God, I, and I just realize that you, that those talents that God wants to grow in your life, sometimes commitment is just that. It's just being committed, right? Sometimes just doing those things are important. It's so not based on our emotions. You know, I'd like to tell you that using your talents, you just have this beautiful feeling that comes over you and you're like, now is the time I will share and I will pray. No, that's not how it works. In fact, 90% of the time, it's not going to be that way because we serve and that we grow. My life first, let me give you this. This will be at my funeral, okay? This is my verse that I will proclaim from the mountaintops. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. When you decide to open up to God and realize that you are called, that that doesn't mean you're a monk or a missionary. It means that you are a called person. Turn to someone and say, I am a called person. You know, God called you. God called you. And it's so important that we allow God to mold and shape you. Remember when we actually used to use our electronic devices for phones? You know, for the first time in history, a few years ago, they said people use their phone not for making phone calls, but for actually data and that sort of thing. So they actually flipped the thing. I remember back in the day when I got my first cell phone, it was a company called Primeco. Do you remember that Primeco company? It was like the little alien guy, maybe you were, but it was a funny thing. Back in like 98, I think I had my first cell phone. My sister in college, she had the, the bag phone. Do you remember the bag phone? You'd plug it in and this thing was like a briefcase. It was like <laughs> mission impossible. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's just a cell phone. My dad had the cool mobile one, the really expensive one. My dad was one of the first ones. He's that cool business guy with the Zach Morris Saved by the Bell phone. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, I'm the only one in all of Rockford with one of these. How's it going? <laughs> Be on business trips. The guys are like, man, you got to, I mean, it's just so cool. You would use the phones to talk on them. Picking up that phone, talking, I remember when I first started in business, I loved myself, but I was so addicted to my cell phone and talking on the phone. Yeah, I get like a thousand minutes, I think. You remember you used to buy minutes? U.S. Cellular, I had a thousand minutes, and my wife would open the cell phone bill, and she says, um, Steve, you're talking a lot on the phone. It was like a $300 phone bill that month. No, I'm not kidding. It was crazy. Me and Ann used to talk on the phone. We were dating, and I've told you that story. And my, I would use my dad's phone card. Remember AT&T phone cards? And my dad was gracious to give me that, and then he was very gracious to tell me, don't use the phone card anymore. <laughs> we're talking on the phone. I love you. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. I love you. <laughs> love you. No. My dad's like, Steve, I want you to, every time you use this phone, put a quarter in the machine and then that's how you're going to use the phone. But it was crazy. But we just use the phone so much, but we don't use phones anymore, but God's calling you. We forget this about calling too, by the way. Do you know that God chose you? You didn't choose him. Oz Guinness wrote this. Thus for followers of Christ, calling neutralizes the fundamental position of choice in modern life. I have chosen you, Jesus said, and you have not chosen me. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We have no rights, only responsibilities. Following Christ is not our initiative, merely our response and obedience. Nothing works better to debunk the pretensions of choice than a conviction of calling. Once we have been called, we literally have no choice. When God called me, I didn't say, well, yeah, God, I'm just going to allow you into these areas of my life and you're going to, you know. No, it, it, he arrested my heart. Amen. He convicted me. I didn't make my mind up. When you come to Christ, you come to Christ as a complete needy person. 
I need help. And when I come to Christ, I didn't come to Christ because of my goodness. Because Steve Lapp somehow prayed right, gave right, did the right attendance at church. When I came to Christ, I realized that he had called me out and said, Child, you are mine. He puts my name like a tattoo on his hand. He knows the hairs of my head. He says, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. It changes the responsibility for us, doesn't it? And this is how come maybe you lay awake at night and you wonder and wrestle about things. God is calling you. And I don't know what he's calling you to do. Sometimes the calling is a big thing and sometimes it's little things. And you take those things seriously. You know what I thought about all this week? Linda, you're going to laugh at this. I was thinking about Linda this week. Anybody? I was thinking about Linda this week. And I remember one week, just a few weeks ago, she came in. She wasn't feeling well. She was under the weather. And she came in and she had this coffee. And I said, Linda, what are you doing? She's like, well, I don't feel well. I'm like, well, what are you doing here? She goes, well, I'm taking care of the coffee. And I go, Linda, we could take care of the coffee. Why don't you go home? So we prayed with Linda and she went home. But I thought, holy moly, can you imagine if we took the simple, quote, little things. Well, now, coffee's not little. We're not making little of that. <laughs> coffee's extremely important. You don't mess that up, Linda. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But I just couldn't believe that. Taking what God gives to us and puts in our hands extremely seriously, like I care for this and whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's hospitality or whether it's teaching, teaching with all of your heart whether it's praying for the lost, whatever it may be, you have a special call on your life. By the way, Oswald Chambers writes this, since you became a disciple, you cannot be as, in, as independent as you used to be. I'm a very independent individual. Do I have any of those people in here? Don't tell me what to do, I know what to do. But you can't be that person anymore. I have to be completely dependent upon God. As a healthy church starts coming together and the church individually realizes that it has calling and people in here, you have calling, you are so blessed. God has brought you to this place for those tools to be used. Now comes a sharing church. Why don't we see how God looks at and the seriousness he looks at it in Matthew 25. Maybe you know the story. It's the story of the talents. In Matthew 25, verse 14. I want you to know today that Christ wants you to invest what you have. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And this is the story exactly about the gifts of God that he's placed in you. God has entrusted you with those, these talents. He called together the servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver one two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into proportion of their abilities. Isn't that beautiful? God knows our abilities. Some, some have different, more big, whatever it is, but God has entrusted you according to our abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. He earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and in two more bags, but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they used his money. The servant to whom had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. The master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, 
harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crop I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in a bank and at least I could have gotten some interest on it? He then ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. To those who use what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they will be, will be taken away. Now throw this youthless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I mean, that's red letter. That's Jesus talking. That's crazy, right? Doesn't work in a Marxist socialist society, right? <laughs> but God gave us talents. And God does expect us to use them. And we can't use the excuse of, well, I just have nothing to do. And I can tell you in my life, the gift God gave me I'll never forget when I was doing ministry, I started in Poplar Grove. I remember I took like a, a week off, right, Mom? Was it a week off I took? And I was sitting at this church, and I was sitting in the chair next to my wife, and we didn't know what the next transition would be, flow-wise, ministry-wise, but I was literally just sitting on the edge of my seat going, what am I, I, uh, I uh, Anne's like, what's going on? I'm like, uh, I can't do that. I can't sit in this chair. Like, I want to be up there. Like, I, I, I just want to be, I want to be involved. And it was crazy because literally the next week had coffee with someone. Coffee, Linda. I mean, that's important. That had, had coffee, and now all of a sudden we're moving into all that God did. It was just an amazing thing. But don't bury your treasure in the sand. I think we have this feeling that the talent that God's given to me is not good enough. You know, and that can creep in, that whole poor self-confidence thing. I believe that we have this confidence that God gives to us and we do great things. Moses didn't realize that God had gifted him. He said, but I can't speak right, God. And what did God do with Moses? Gives him Aaron, right? And he helped him. And he, according to his abilities, he said, fine. Here, here's Aaron. You guys go. Like, like get moving. Gideon, I've talked about Gideon. I talk about all those gifts. And even when we feel like our gifts lack, wasn't it awesome? Isn't it true like with the church, like when David was going to go fight Goliath? The gift that he had was only to throw those stones. And I believe he was trained really well in throwing those rocks. But here's where the Holy Spirit came in. God sent that rock exactly where it was supposed to go. Amen. Don't bury your treasure in the sand. Don't leave it for professionals. We take the stance in the Western church of the victim and the loser. And I believe what ends up happening is we get into a place where all we have left is the past. Folks, all you have left is the future. I think it would do many of us really good today to forget the past. Good and bad. Because some of that good stuff, it gets to the nostalgia and it has this glowy, glowiness to it. And so everything today that we go through, we just get this like disdain for, like, uh, like we dread today. We dread. And God moves and the talents are fresh and the re revelation so unique. Ephesians 5.15, you don't have to turn there, but it said, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. How many would agree we live in evil days? Well, they were the same back in Ephesians, right? Make the most of the evil days. The God who calls you, here's what he does. He places you in situations and environments that you may not like. With a show of hands, how many of you don't like some things about the environments you're in right now? Okay. <laughs> so we're there, right? As a family of God, we're there. Some of it we can control. Some of it we can't, right? Some of the situations we can move, and some of the situations are like that huge rock that we push again, and somehow it's not going. God has talented you to move in and through that. That may cause you today to be a bit uncomfortable. 
Man, we were uncomfortable this last year at work when our business was down second quarter 45%, literally dumping money out the back door. And I literally sat there when the pandemic hit going, are we going to be open next week, right? Are we going to be open? What's going to happen? And God moves and he shakes and he takes care of us and he puts talents around you. He puts talented people to carry and pick you up. You can't do this on your own. You need the body. Turn real quick and say, I need you. Man, maybe spouses, you haven't said that to your spouse in a long time. Today's a good. Say that again. Say it really good. Like, I need you. Don't look out for your own. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Share the talents. Share them. Share them. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says, don't look out for only your own interest. By the way, that's important too, isn't it? You got to look out for yourself. You do. So he's not saying don't look out for yourself, but he includes this. He said, don't look out for only your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Folks, using these wonderful gifts to pour into other people's lives, I wanted to kind of talk to you today about a beautiful principle. Everybody here today, it was so funny, I was leaving the house today and I said, does anyone have a dollar in this house that I can have? I was asking Kelsey, do you have a dollar? I don't. Hunter's like, dad, I don't have any money. I'm like, and you have a dollar. We don't use cards, it's just crazy. But I found money, finally, I found four quarters, but I want to give uh, quarters to every, or quarter, or pennies, <laughs> pennies to everyone in this place. Um, if I could, you know what, uh, uh, Carl and Q, do you guys mind passing pennies out today? Here, we're going to, everyone gets a brand new shiny penny. Yeah. And you guys are going to have to open these. <laughs> I bite my nails too much. So, oh, there, there we go. One starting. All right, you make sure everybody gets one, all right? Yeah, you go, go ahead. Okay. Give, you can maybe go on that side. Okay. Just pass them out. You take care of this side. So you guys, Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing. So everyone's going to get a penny today, all right? And as you're getting your penny, I want you to think, boy, that's a special penny. And if you get a really expensive penny, I need it back. No, I'm just kidding. So you have just a penny. We did this a couple weeks ago with the youth. We ended the service or the, that time of teaching in the cafe there with this little thought here. You got your penny. Everyone hold your penny up. Be proud of it. You got your penny. All right. So, I was reading this, and maybe some of you have heard this before. Thank you, Penny guys. Give it up for Carl and Q. Yeah, see? Beautiful. Yes. Awesome. You got them? Thank you. Now, what am I going to do with these guys? No. Um, no, it's funny. So, I was, uh, it gave an example of, would you rather have someone give you $10,000 per day for a month or give you a penny the first day and then double your money every day thereafter for the month. Amen. And I thought at first, I'm like, man, I, how many think the $10,000 a day for a month sound really good? Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? Well, he starts going through this compounding thing and things are pretty simple. Day one, one penny. How many on day two, guys? Two pennies. Day three, four pennies. Day five, 16 pennies. Day six, 32 pennies. Day seven, 64. Day eight, $1.28. You're at a full $1.28. Day 11, $10.24. Here we go. Here's when things get really interesting. By day 16, it's at 327.68. 
Day 17, 655, 36. Day 18, we're at $1,000. Still, we're not nothing fancy. Day 19, 2,621. Day 25,000. Day 21, 10,485. Day 26, what's, what do you guys think day 26 is? Three, or 335,544. By day 30, you will have $5,368,709. Isn't that crazy? Doubling the penny every day for 30 days. And I thought about our little pennies today, our talents, the treasure that God has given to us, and many of us maybe got frustrated at God because, God, you, you put this in me, but nothing's going on. I don't know what's happening. And God uses that treasure. I, I think of the beautiful story of Joseph in the Old Testament, who the gift that was given to him, you know the gift that was given to Joseph? I mean, he had that coat. You know, he was special kid. But you know what? When he went into that pit, he probably didn't feel too special, did he? And do you know what God puts in him? He doesn't give him another coat there. He puts a dream in him. And it carries his whole future. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? I want you to hold that penny really securely. And I want you to think about how God's potential in your life, as he multiplies it out, and you think about right now, the people that you touch and influence every day. I see the beautiful young little kids running around today, and I think about the moms and the influence that they have with them, and the dads what they can impart to them. I think about the offices that you're placed in and the environments you're placed in, the roles and responsibilities. I think about in this beautiful church, this simple little church, how the impact of what one person does. Maybe God gives you a dream. Maybe God has the gift of healing for you. Maybe you have a heart for the lost and God starts to give you ideas and what to minister and what to do. And you realize that the gifts that God has given to you are meant to multiply. We can't bury things in the sand and leave them for the professionals any longer. You and I have been given this treasure and represented in your hand. Maybe it seems so small and insignificant and you say, how can there be any change? He said, man, I, you have been in charge of the small things now I'm going to make you a ruler over much. Today I want God's spirit to put that thought in our head again that we don't think small thoughts anymore. We think revival thoughts and restoration thoughts. We think about the whole idea that the Bible declares that when the body is knit together, it's talking about setting a bone there to make things right, to make a person whole. I want our church to be whole. Today, maybe you're holding this penny and you don't realize the treasure of faith yet. And you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The greatest treasure died for you and me so that we can have life and life in its abundance. You don't know that treasure and God's calling you. If you don't know Christ today is your Lord and Savior, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, man, I, I want Jesus Christ in my heart. I want that treasure. The Bible declares that that farmer who saw the land and there was a treasure there, he sold everything he could for that. Will you leave everything behind to go after that call? The treasure of God for your life? He was beaten beyond recognition for you. And for me, today, if you don't know Christ and you want to know him, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Anybody. The next part of this is this, really simply. You have a treasure today. And maybe it's been buried for a while. Maybe you didn't know what to do with it. And God's awakening some things in your heart and in your life. And you're starting to realize God wants to use you to multiply his spirit in others. Getting involved with the body of Christ and not just leaving it to professionals anymore and excusing yourself. 
Today, God's calling you with a beautiful, beautiful treasure. And you say, I'm, I'm responding to that call. And I want my life to be one that walks worthy of that call. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you. Anybody in here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the treasure that you've placed in me. I thank you for your call on my life. And even though it seems small to me at times, it's great because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Today, God, I choose to use my voice, my spirit, my hands, my feet. Thank you for gifting me, God. And as I learn them, as I learn how to use them, may our church become healthier because of that. I won't depend on professionals anymore to improve my life. I will depend on the voice of God and the treasure within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Very good. That little penny. You know, I got to be honest with you, sometimes when I see a penny, I'm like, you know, I'm vacuuming out the car and it sometimes ends up in the vacuum. <laughs> and I'm not too disappointed. <laughs> but folks, when, when you take this penny, maybe put it somewhere, maybe tape it to your mirror, and you realize the talents of God that he's put within you. And you realize that it multiplies and it grows. I love you so much, and I thank God that he puts this body of Christ together to heal us, to make us better. Maybe it's rashes that get healed, hearts that get healed. Things happen because the body of Christ wakes up and says, wait a minute, God's called me to be a part of that. Amen. Amen. I love you so much. Father, I thank you for today. I pray your spirit over every household here. We thank you for the household of faith, that we can run to you, we can have protection. God, you are our defense. You fight our battles, God. Fight our battles. You give us talents, God. All the talented people in this place, oh God. And forgive us, Lord Jesus, in the church who have make, made the church too professional, too unaccessible, too real, or not real enough, and not relevant enough. Help us, God, as we grow and learn. Help us to equip. Help us to lock arms so that those treasures and those talents will be opened up. We thank you for hiding those treasures in us so that these broken vessels can be seen by the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you so much. Have a great day. By the way, next weekend is 4th of July, obviously. We're going to have a pyrotechnic show here on the stage. Sandra is setting up. Wait till you see what that piano does. No. But um, we're going to have a great time of celebrating a patriotic Sunday and it'd just be a, be a great, great Sunday to kick off our independence. Yeah.